Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Hey, shout out to our sponsors from DoorDash. <laughs> and uh, 3P, 3P guest, Mr. Mike Barrocaro. At what point do I wear out my welcome? <laughs> no, I think I, I by next week, it's just, and Mike. <laughs> I think I'd, by next week, it's no longer a uh, special guest host or like just you're just part of the show. I want I, I want to continue to be a special guest host. Remember, like when we used to watch those shows in the 90 and it had like the character that's on the show every week is still listed as like special featuring. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's what that's what I want to be. That's fine. <laughs> we can we can continue to introduce you. Basically, at the credits, it's just like with. <laughs> See, that's when you know you made it, right? Like in the movies now, when the when uh, when one of those like big time actors comes back and is in a movie, it's no they're no longer part of the cast. It just as with, and that's it'll it. just it'll just be you. <laughs> um, all right. So Dwayne, Rec officially ended from a regular season perspective, and now we have three v three tomorrow. Yeah, so from what I've seen, a lot of kids are excited for 3v3. Um, it's almost like a whole new season, like 3v3 time. Everybody gets excited. They get creative with their uniforms. They get to play on a team with their friends, kind of mix the teams up. It's overall a good event, um, fun event. I think that um, look forward to seeing who's going to be uh, champions tomorrow in each respective age group, seeing those kids that have been working hard all season, being yeah. uh, well rewarded yeah yeah well it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i think uh i think a lot of the players that that are playing now in our travel program have all played in our the majority have played in our recreational program and really enjoyed that aspect of it so it's um it's really cool uh so we're we're looking forward to it tomorrow along with a bunch of games that we then have uh Duane and i have a five o'clock game after three three v three so that's gonna be exciting uh, and then games on Sunday. Yeah, so, I'll probably find a place to sleep at some point, get a little nap in. I mean, the shed is definitely available for you. I'll uh, bring a mattress up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't leave a mattress there. I would just, like, take it and then put it back in your car and, and, and take it home. I would definitely not leave something there. But for sure, I mean, uh, I think that would be cool. So one of the other things that happened this week um, – which was really interesting. Uh, I was interviewed by, I was interviewed on national television in Argentina by a, a FIFA World Cup finalist. Um, he was a goalkeeper for the 19, in the 1990 World Cup with Argentina. So that's my second interview in like two months that I've done. This one's actually on TV. And so yesterday we're sitting, having dinner, and my parents were over at my house and my dad comes uh, starts talking to me and this is after we had driven home from practice decides to tell me at at dinner oh yeah i think i think i have another interview for you i said what do you mean you have another interview for me he goes well i was talking to this journalist that i like join his show or something on instagram or something like that he does and i told him that i was sorry i was late on monday for a show or some or, or tuesday because i was uh watching my son's interview and he goes, oh, who did he do an interview with? So he went through the whole story. He's like, oh, well, we've got to get him in the show. So now apparently my dad has become my uh, pseudo manager uh, and is now scheduling interviews for me uh, in Argentina, I guess. So can uh, I be can I be part of your entourage? Absolutely. You like the HBO show? <laughs> yeah. The Argentina, like there's going to be a bunch of fans like waiting for you to get off the plane. I'm trying to be a part of that. I mean, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to put uh, Delaware Union and just Bear Delaware or Middletown Delaware on the map in Argentina, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure nobody knows what where Delaware is in Argentina. I'm pretty sure yeah, nobody knows where Delaware is in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point. That's a fair point. Uh, so yeah, so that was uh, that was interesting. Um, I had I had recorded some stuff. And we're gonna put it up on our on our Facebook page uh, here in the next couple of days after after three v three. We're gonna put it up. 
I'm trying to find a way to get it translated or at least put some subtitles on so that way people can understand what's going on. Um, they they try to ask me uh, about the election, and I said I didn't really want to talk about that. Uh, so, But they kept asking me. So at one point, I re my response was, well, the reason why I work with kids in general is because kids don't talk about politics. And that kind of shut them up real quick. And they were like, all right, well, we'll move on from that. I was like, great, thanks. Like, because I don't want to talk about that. So, um, but yeah, it was an interesting. So I had recorded a bunch of stuff ahead of time. Um, and they, they edited that into a little clip. And then at the last minute, they were like, hey, we had an interview fall through. And we, I know we're going to get try to get you on next week. But can you come on right now? I was like, well, I can't, but not not from the soccer field like we had originally planned. Um, so they're like, yeah, it's fine. Just do it from like your backyard. So I just sat on my deck and and just uh, just record it or uh, was live on on TV. It was interesting. Definitely an interesting experience. Um, so, yeah. So I, I was I was proudly wearing my uh, I was wearing a jacket because it was a little chilly outside. But I was like, I tried to make sure that like my Delaware Union logo was definitely showing. Um, because you have to, you gotta, you gotta be able to represent your, your club, right? Just yeah, you always gotta be wearing your Delaware Union gear. Don't be wearing your high school gear. Like no, no, no. Pride, pride. <laughs> I was, uh, I was trying to find some, uh, some old Umbro gear to to wear, but I couldn't find any Umbro gear. That's what I was looking for. The old like two tone checker shorts. Come on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Hey, I know where my original CDSA uniforms are, so there you go. We can, we can represent <laughs> <laughs> one hell, of, one hell of a Halloween costume. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, that that also happened last week. So that was so Halloween fell on a th on a Saturday. So I meant rec soccer. So my my daughter went to play in the Discovery program. So my halloween costume is not what, what do i what am i every year i have a halloween costume that i wear every year and it's basically a shark onesie that then i put on some sort of a costume on top of that so i'm a soccer shark i'm a coach shark i'm a pumpkin shark or, but the shark costume always remains so i put on my like delaware Union polo because i had a game afterwards and and my shorts under on top of the, the shark onesie and then I went out on the field and watched my daughter play and then walked around and was uh, basically a Delarine staff member. And all these kids kept coming up to me and looking at me and going shark shark. And, and I kept looking at them or some of them would come up to me and like start waving at me. And I'm just like looking down, like, what do, what do you want? It, because I had forgotten that I was wearing a shark onesie and it was Halloween and kids were trying to like, I don't know, take pictures or just, like point and laugh and say shark please don't start a trend where coaches have to wear halloween costumes no i did get permission though i did ask chad if he was okay with me coaching up to chad i know we're safe yeah chad said it was good that i was coaching in a shark onesie uh i will tell you that i will never do that again because we lost terribly bad <laughs> and uh from now on i i i mean the shark costume is lucky that it wasn't burnt uh as i was heading home um, over the fence. Yeah, just over the fence. It just completely uh would have let the Could you imagine coaching the O3 girls with the shark onesie on? No. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I could make it. I think our high school girls would just flat out kick me off the you, team. You wouldn't even last in the warm-up. They would rip you apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't that wouldn't work. So um and then in other news, and this is a topic of conversation that even Mike was on before about. So the men's national team camp roster came out or roster came out for the friendlies against Panama and Wales. So 24 players, one was already replaced because uh Sergeant was not allowed to uh, play. So he's replaced by the only MLS player in the, in the camp or in the, in the roster with uh, Sebastian Leteg, let, let, let get, like legit. Legit. Legit, yeah. yeah legit so um because they clearly out of the mls playoff contention now so i looked at look to see who was not in mls playoffs and he's probably the best candidate <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just don't know too many other guys on any of those teams 
<laughs> yeah. So a side note about the MLS. So uh, did did either of you watch Chicharito's goal from the other night? Yeah. yeah. And is like LeBron James celebration. Yeah. I I didn't really I'm like your team is not making the playoffs. <laughs> your first goal all year. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you decide to do. The dude was like, just happy he scored a goal, man. Let him do him. <laughs> no, that's fine. I was just like I, I like the celebration where you just like shake like you're like brushing it off, like as in like, hey, like we're moving on. But you decided to go with the King James uh celebration, which is interesting. I thought that was an interesting Oh, absolutely. Seeing that you know, the Lakers won a championship, the Dodgers won a championship, and the LA Galaxy are not winning the championship. <laughs> yeah, no. So you're not you're not even close to that pillar. <laughs> maybe he's maybe at this point he's rooting for LAFC. <laughs> Trying to get like a transfer. <laughs> maybe he can get like a uh, like get, a side can ring. Get, can I get loaned out? <laughs> loaned out, yeah. There you go. You Just down the street. You have a coach now. Can you loan me out across town? Just put a, just put a mustache on be like Jose Huesca. <laughs> I swear I'm Carlos Vela. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. Um, yeah. So, anyway, so let's let's go through this roster really quick because I think it's what at least we have talked about before about wanting younger players in. I think this is a very strategic move in this roster to get a lot of players capped, so that way they're no longer able to be capped for other countries, um, which I think is an interesting. Uh, interesting move. So goalkeepers, Ethan Horvath from Bruges, uh, Odunze from Leicester, who is 17. He is six foot seven. Uh, hasn't necessarily played for, uh, for Leicester yet, but I think it's, it's a good for him. It's good for him to be able to get some, get some time in the camp. And obviously Zach Steffen as the, the number one goalkeeper at this point um then you got john brooks which we had talked about before reggie cannon um serginio dest uh matt mizaga tim ream chris richards uh, anton robinson and then this is where i think we start getting into really really good really good parts of the of the roster tyler adams we all liked him we all wanted to see him on the roster it's awesome. Johnny Cardoso, which I think is an interesting pickup considering he was born in the U.S. but has lived the majority of his life in Brazil. Um, and obviously probably has a very little chance of making the Brazil national team. So decides to play for the U.S. national team, which is awesome. And actually getting playing time for Inter in Brazil. Then you got Richie Ledesma. Uh, who's been playing for PSV and actually scored a goal recently. Then we got Weston McKinney and one that I'm really excited to see if, if they'll, if he'll actually get any minutes and that's Yunus Musa who plays at Valencia, who has actually played with the under 20 England national team, which again, that's, there's one of the pickups that you're going, all right, like, is this basically a way for England to not be able to cap them? Considering England's going younger too. I think that um, these are, these are friendlies, right? So this isn't going to cap time to the U S anyway. So he can still, I think he can still, um, he could still switch if he wanted to. Yeah. It's gotta be an official. It's gotta be a um, qualifier match or it's gotta be an official Really, I thought it. I thought it was just anything with the like actual international top team. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think friendlies count in that. Mm. I, I think it's. I think it's a, an official FIFA competition, whether it's like Copa America. Um, uh, because I know for I know with Argentina, with Argentina, when when they did this with Messi, they basically created a friendly with I forget who it was that they created with, just to get Messi capped when he was like. 18 or 19 so that way um spain couldn't get him but uh but what's all right we got research and analytics department is on the team <laughs> to try to figure out if uh if we're right or wrong but i still like the list i think the list is the right call uh then we go um owen otasoe from wolves 
Conrad De La Fuente, which uh, Dwayne and I and Anthony started the whole. Uh, Dwayne, do you think the soccer podcast can take credit for the fact that De La Fuente is on the national team? If he gets his cap, absolutely. Like if they like start him and then pull him off, absolutely. We started the hashtag Cap De La Fuente uh, three months ago. <laughs> so I think, I mean, I think it's only right that we get the credit for it. Cap De La Fuente. So I uh, thought he was going to be on the first team. <laughs> I mean, he's on the bench. He's, I mean, he's, he's been on the bench along with our boy, Ricky Pooch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thought he was going to get in this week, but I thought he was going to get in this week, but then it, at the same time though, uh, we'll talk about Barcelona in a little bit, but that was uh, an interesting dynamic. Then you got uh, Nicholas Giacocini. Um, a lot of these names, like I, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce them until I actually watch the game and somebody says it for the first time, and then I can kind of uh, re- say it again. Christian Pulisic, uh, Uli Lanes, Gio Reyna gets his first cap for the national team, uh, which will be exciting to see. Sebastian Soto, uh, which is awesome to see him on the national team because he did a fantastic job in the under 20s. And then Tim Weah, who worrisome to a certain extent, the fact that he's not really playing. Uh, he, he has not, out of this group, he probably gets the least amount of minutes out of anybody. Um, outside of the younger kids that they're just, just really young, but he's actually on the roster at Lille, just not really playing. Um, but I'm excited for this team. I think this is going to be a fun team. I think this is going to be the... I just hope that the U.S. does this when when the points count. Like, when the points count, are they going to try to keep this mentality of younger players? and Because and, it's not a massive roster of, like, 40 or 50 players. We're talking 24 players. Granted, no MLS players are on this. Outside of um, outside of uh, Leggett, but I'm interested to see what like obviously we wanted to see a heavy European based team, um, yeah. but when you look at it, I'm interested to see where some of these MLS guys fit in afterwards, fit in. like you know, like Mark McKenzie. To look at this roster, that's a good group of center backs and just defenders in general. Mm-hmm. to try to crack and then you look at Brendan Aronson um and Gio Reyna kind of playing similar roles like is there a way they can get both guys on the field at the same time right and they not have to sacrifice for each other so it'd be interesting to see um how those MLS guys come in and and add to this roster but I think it's a good start and I think this this European base is like the foundation, right? Like let's lay the foundation for the Olympics and the world cup. Like this is going to be my group of guys that I count on. And then we can always rotate players in like Zach Steffi going to count on them. Serginia Des, Reggie Cannon, John Brooks. Like those are like core guys that we're going to count on. And we can move other guys and pieces around um, those guys. Yeah. I think it'll be an interesting dynamic and that's all happening within what less than oh, in a week and a half two weeks yeah they're playing on the i think it's the 12th right yeah. so I, I listen i think it's i think it's an interesting roster i think it's we are we're in a really interesting time with the u.s national team and I, you guys know i'm a national team nerd like i love this so i could tell you that i've seen all these guys play um and so when I saw the roster, it is, it's definitely really interesting and really exciting. I also think we have to take into account that qualifiers are starting in June. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do see both sides of it of there are guys that we need to, we need to see for sure. But I also think that we're going to need to get to a point here pretty quickly as a national program where we have regulars coming in to every camp so that you know exactly how you want to play. Uh, these guys know each other and that there's some cohesion going into, um, going into qualifiers because the one thing that there's not a lot of on this roster, although there's potential out the, out the yin yang and long-term, all of these guys probably could 
fit in over the next 10 years, you could say, in, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a 2022 World Cup or a 26 World Cup, um, there's not a lot of CONCACAF experience on this roster. Uh, and I think that that is something that you can't overlook. I, I do believe um, that qualifying out of CONCACAF and having to go play in places like Trinidad is just a different beast. Um, and I do think that there is something to be said for a little bit more experience on your roster, a little bit more world cup experience on your roster. So I do think when push comes to shove, Burhalter's probably going to have to try to find maybe even some of those MLS guys that have the, the experience of having played games against CONCACAF opponents in places like Costa Rica and Mexico city and in Trinidad or Haiti. I think those things are going to be important, but there are some interesting names. So, you know, like, for me, Ethan Horvath is here because it's a because of COVID and it's a European-based club. But I I can't see him being in the long-term plans when you have a guy like Matt Turner with the New England Revolution who's probably yeah. better and is playing on a day-to-day basis. What you don't have with any of these three goalkeepers is nobody that's playing regularly, which right. for me is potentially an issue um, because that is such a repetition-based position. You you got to have guys that are playing. Um, the the seventeen-year-old Adunze who's with Leicester is really interesting because he's six foot seven. Um, the dude's a beast. Um, and long-term could be a really good goalkeeping prospect for the U S national team. Big boy. It, yeah. He's a big dude, man. <laughs> I mean, you gotta watch, you gotta watch video on him. I mean, the kid's 17 and he is, he dwarfs some guys on their first team. I mean, it's wild. Um, and Dwayne, like what you were saying with the defenders, I mean, I think, if this was a camp where Burhalter has access to everybody, I think Mark McKenzie would probably be in this. Um, that would make, that would make sense. Right. Like I, I struggle to think how much of a long-term solution Tim Ream is for this group. Um, but obviously John Brooks and Miazga, that's big. Tim, Tim Ream might be there right now just because of the experience. So that, that makes sense. Um, the most capped player. I yeah. got it. I, I know like that's incredible. Right. Um, <laughs> Chris Richards is a big one because I think this, this roster, I think realistically you got to look at it and try to figure out who is somebody that could realistically be in the plans for qualifications that are going to start within this year. And, um, and who is in the, in the plans for a 2022 world cup. And then maybe who is somebody that's more suited for a 2026 world cup. There's obviously names on the roster, like a Richie Ledesma, who he's probably not going to be a 2022 unless he comes on really strong here over the next year. He's probably not going to be a 22 World Cup guy, but by 26, maybe. Yeah. Um, Don't forget quick, about the Olympics, too. And the Olympics. Right, we're looking at the Olympics next year. So I'm looking at some of these names, like maybe Pulisic doesn't go to the Olympics, right? We, we keep it really young, almost like a, like a U23 team, and we go super young with guys who don't have experience and get them that major tournament experience. Yeah. And you're also going to have the gold cup too, where you can experiment with your roster as well. So you got, you have three really big opportunities this upcoming summer to funnel guys through. But I also think you got to get to some sense of regularity and, you know, Eunice Musa, I can't see them calling him up without thinking that he could potentially be somebody who's going to factor immediately. It wouldn't make sense. Uh, if you think he's more of a long-term long-term solution um, or a long-term project. I think that's somebody that you bring him in now because you think that he could be a cornerstone of your program and you're, you want to eventually cap tie him and, and put him into have him playing for you in qualifiers. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously Tyler Adams in there. The really interesting name in the midfield for me is Johnny Cardoso because that's a guy that's going to bring, experience playing in this hemisphere uh to qualifications and he i don't know if you guys have seen him play but he does a lot of the things that maybe like a guy like like jackson yule does when he's on the field playing those big that 60 yard diagonal balls that burhalter really likes dropping down and playing in between the two center backs but he's also got a little bit of an edge to him like alfredo morales has and that is something that i think they're going to need um, and I think his experience playing in Brazil, that is experience in a, that league is chippy. Oh, yeah. uh, and that dude can carry himself physically as well. He's young, but he can carry himself physically. And I think, I actually think he might be the player outside of the, the outside of like the Gio Reynas that I'm most, that I'm most excited to see. I mean, that, 
he has a very unique skill set that I think they need that they probably have not had in the national team since like a Kyle Beckerman. Uh, well, the interesting, the interesting thing about is that, so he's already played three Libertadores matches, mm-hmm. which is, which is big. He's made it out of the group stage and now he's and I, the one of the reasons why he came into my radar as well is because he's about to play Boca juniors in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and he's got an Argentinian coach who is, um, I think going to be a good role model for him as well. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I think he's, it's going to be an interesting, I think he's going to be, he's different. He's something that I don't think the U S has ever had in that perspective. Like when's the last time we've had somebody that was playing in South America coming into the national team. Yeah. And that's, and, and not only that, the talk about the Brazilian league being chippy, the Brazilian leagues also, he, they've also played like 20 or 30 games already. Yeah. So he's going to come in with a lot of time on, on the field and just in general in training. Yeah, he's, he's somebody, really I'm really excited to see him. I mean, I hope he plays in these two games, um, at least one of the two. I hope he actually plays because there are known quantities here also, right? Like we know what Weston McKinney is going to be able to do. We know what Tyler Adams, we know those guys are in the program now. They're going to be at qualifiers and they're probably going to be starters, right? I think, you know, we need to be able to go into qualifiers knowing, okay, who is that next tier of players is it a guy like Johnny Cardoso who could potentially be in and out of a starting lineup and help you? Because we, we also know the answer is not Christian rolled on, right? Like you can't, like he's, he's out. You can't have that. And realistically is Jackson, Ewell going to help you when you get to a world cup. I mean, he might be good enough to play in some of these CONCACAF games, but I don't think he's the answer either right now. So you got to have that next tier of player. Um, and with the fact that he plays regular minutes for his club team, with the fact of where he's playing, I think he's a really intriguing option that could, ha- that could potentially help immediately who's in the middle of a roster with guys that probably aren't. Like Owen Otisoe is he's got lots of potential. He's not somebody I don't think that's going to factor into a 2022 World Cup. Um, Conrad De La Fuente, maybe, depending on what he does over the next year. The other name that's really interesting is Giochini. Uh, Nicholas Giochini is as true at number nine as they are going to have in the U S pool. I mean, he might be right now the truest target forward that they, that they have. And if, if Berhalter really wants to play a three front, it would really make sense, especially with Sergeant now not being in this roster anymore, that, that that's the guy that's playing, that's playing up top. Um, Cause he's, he's doing well for Khan in France. Um, you know, obviously Soto can play, can play that role too. So yeah. You know, we'll see. I think there's a massive snub on this roster if you're looking at a, a European-based roster, and that is the hottest goal scorer the U.S. has right now, which is Aaron Johansson. Uh, I think he's got something like 13 goals in 23 games for Hammerby. I mean, the dude is just lighting Sweden on fire. Um, to not have him on this roster for a team that we historically don't score a lot of goals, I'm not certain that I really understand understand that. Um you kind of were like reading my mind. I was thinking about, I was like, what did, when you said target forward, I was like, what is that guy, blonde guy that was scoring all those goals? Aaron Johansson, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he lost his way a little bit when he went to Germany. He, he came back to Sweden and he's, he's healthy now. Uh, and in fairness, when he was in Germany, he, he, he was never, he never had a really long stretch of being, of being healthy. But um, I just, I struggle to think like when we, when you hear conversations about the U S national team and Josie Altador is still somebody that comes up in conversations. Why does Aaron Johansson not when right. he's, when he's doing more right now? Uh, and and that's I, all he's done is ever, like, he's just a natural goal scorer. The goal scorer, you know? So I, I, you know, and to be fair, he's done more than Josh Sargent has. Um, Sebastian Soto is an interesting one for me because I like him and I do think he has potential to be very good as he gets older. But when I look at him, what has he done yet that somebody like Christian Ramirez for the Houston Dynamo hasn't done? They are very similar players. Um, Christian Ramirez, you could make the argument, has done more professionally than Soto has, um, in, unless you're a, just a massive Major League Soccer hater. Um, and, and you think maybe the, the Dutch second division is better than MLS. I, I don't know if I buy that. Um, they're similar players. I don't know why Soto gets a look and other than the fact that he was flirting with Chile, um, other than that, I mean, I'm not certain 
you know, and, and I know that obviously there was a COVID element to this too. Maybe if there wasn't, then maybe more MLS guys get in, but there are some guys that I think are going to help immediately. Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, um, Tyler Adams, McKenney. I think Cardoso could fall into that category. I'm really interested to see Miazga and Brooks play together. If that ends up being the starting center back bearing, um, Anthony Robinson starting for Fulham right now. Um, but I also look at this lineup and I'm like, God, we should be playing with three in the back and two up top. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Are setup we, is there, right? I mean, you have, you have the, the center backs for it. You have the athleticism in the back. You, you do. And especially long-term, if you add in somebody like Mark McKenzie into this, I mean, when you look at playing a back three and having four players like McKenzie, Brooks, Miazga, and Chris Richards, any three of those starting in, you know, any, any three out of those four can play, they can play the same way. And I mean, that, that would be a really good back three, regardless of which combination you go. And then you got wingers like an Anthony Robinson on one side and then a desk on the other, where, I mean, that could be a really good back three with two wingers. And then we don't score a lot of goals historically. Uh, so to be able to put two up top, like, listen, I like Sebastian Soto a lot more if he's playing next to somebody like Josh Sargent or if he's playing next to somebody like Aaron Johansson and they can split the responsibilities. I don't like either one of them right now as the only one. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that, and you, Mike, to your point earlier about making sure that there's a, there's a solid foundation of players that will come back into the camp. And, and it reminded me of something and I looked it up just to get the correct number. Cause I, I had an idea what the number was, but, so in when Maradona was took over the Argentina national team in 2007 or 2008, right before the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, for the qualifiers, he brought in a total of 108 different players. Yeah. And, and it was an absolute nightmare. And Argentina didn't qualify until the last game against Peru in like a downpour and a last minute goal. And it was, a, it was so and scored by a 35 year old, like that, that was the thing. So, so it was, it was an absolute nightmare because there was no chemistry. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that when, when you're talking about a national team where you only end up getting two or three days full of training before um, you actually play. And even when you go into a competition, you still don't get a ton of time ahead of time. But that is it, that's a, that's key for them to go to know each other ahead of time, and I think a lot of these guys have also also already played together in the under 17s or in the under 20s, which I think also helps because they're they have na youth national team experience being around each other. So I think that that's that's key. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think though that when we look at this roster, what we're going to see moving forward in games that matter are there will be a sprinkling of these guys added to yeah. some more established um, players that have more, just more caps because there is something to be said for experience. And I do think when you look at some of the best national teams, including some of our best national teams, you know, whether it was 1994, whether it was 2002, these were groups of guys that played together a lot of minutes uh, together in national team setups. When you look at the run that Spain went on um, back in the mid two thousands, they were trotting out the same lineup every game. Um, for the most part, with very few deviations from it. So I, I think that is we. Gotta, but isn't the average? Isn't the average of the World Cup winners? Uh, the average age is like twenty six or twenty seven. So I, in general, from World Cup winners, so it's not like anyone's winning a World Cup with a roster of twenty two year olds only. Like it's just it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we're still, when push comes to shove, you're still going to see Jordan Morris on a roster. You're still going to end up seeing maybe Paul Ariola when he gets healthy on a roster, you're still going to see some of these, some of these, um, you know, MLS guys. And I do think there's a place for him. I don't, I don't, not a hater on MLS. I think there's a place for him, but then I think it's a matter of like, you know, listen, Pulisic's not going to play every minute of every game probably in, even in a world cup, because what are the chances that you're able to keep him healthy and keep him, super fit for that um who else can come in and play on the wing and, and do what he does that's where i think it's important to see what yuli lanes can do um what a tim Weah maybe can do potentially our, our the biggest thing that worries me though is is is, is who's going to score goals for us i mean that's that's a massive worry uh for me right now because josh Sargent just hasn't proven 
that he can do it consistently. Sebastian Soto hasn't gotten that chance. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to find a way to manufacture goals here. Um, Cause I do have a funny feeling that we'll play well in these two friendlies, but I'd be real curious to see how many goals we score over two games against Wales and Panama. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we got to look at it. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on. I know firsthand how difficult it is to, it's a completely different level, but it's difficult to manage a team through COVID circumstances. I, I understand that, but we got to be able to do something against Wales and against Panama. Otherwise I don't necessarily think like, what should us soccer fans be excited about going into qualifiers in June? if we can't do well in these, in these friendlies. Yeah. Yeah. I think that to add to your point too, MLS is like a grinded out league. Like when you look at those results all the time, it's one, one, zero, zero. Like it's always grinded out. So that's where, you know, those guys come into the team and bring that experience. When you go down to Costa Rica and it's a wet night on a bad field, like they're used to grinding it out and being able to grind it. Whereas some of these guys, like you look at Christian Pulisic, you know, he's going to play on the best surface and the best stadium in Europe all the time. So I think yeah. that's where those MLS guys add experience. Yeah. But when you look at the MLS top scores list, the first American on the board is Giassi's artist. So does he come back in because he's scoring, you know, he's got 11 goals, right? And then you have Jordan Morris with nine goals. So do those guys come back in just because they're scoring goals and they're hot right now? Those, those guys will be in qualifiers, I think. No, I, I can't imagine a roster for a game that matters that Greg Berhalter puts together that Giazzi's artist is not in. I, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine it. He knows exactly what he brings to the table, and I just think that he, he'll always be in. I mean, I think Berhalter really, really likes him. I, but I do think it's important. Like, li listen, we haven't seen Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney play together. What, one time maybe against Ecuador, I think it was? One time in the national team have they played together. So because either injuries or, you know, things like that, it's really important to figure out who is, you know, who is the, if you're going to play a three-man midfield, who is your five? Like who are the other two or three players that could come in if one of those guys can't play right? Um, and do the same thing. And that's where I think like Johnny, Johnny Cardoso, that's a really, really important call up right now, because that's a guy that I think could actually go from being uncapped to having 15 caps really quickly. Oh, uh, yeah. And to add to the caps. So FIFA just changed the rule. Um, a player can now switch national teams, provided that they were eligible to represent a second national team at the time of their first cap. Um, so they have no more than three matches, which includes friendlies, um, that they can switch. Um, the only reason, the only way they can't switch is if they played in the final of the World Cup or if they played in like the, uh, UEFA final or the Con or the Gold Cup final, and all this happened before they were 21. Okay. So one of the players that really affects was uh, Munir, who used to play for Barcelona. Yep. Got capped by Spain, played like 13 minutes, and he couldn't play for Morocco because he fell out of favor for Spain. Yeah. Well, all right, so it's three games that they actually have to play in. So if yeah. you're on the bench and you don't get in a minute, it, it doesn't count against you. Which is interesting because when you think about friendlies, you know, they always have those extra subs. We could you sub can like sub in 22 players. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy, but hey. Well, we'll knowing that, then we'll know real quickly how high Burhalter is on Musa because if he's starting in that first game against Wales. It's, they're trying know, to get his third game it. in. Yeah. He's there. He's there for a reason. He's yeah. there because they, because he will be playing in the 2022 World Cup. I mean, yeah. That's yeah, and that's yeah. and it makes sense. So, um, so we're going to move on to the Champions League, and I read an interesting article uh, about Erling Haaland, who we've talked about before. So he broke a record the other day by scoring 14 goals before in 11 matches in the Champions League, before anybody else. The closest player or the record that he broke was from Harry Kane. Harry Kane, it took him 17 games to get to 14 goals. And this guy did it at 11. And just to put it in perspective, which I think is the, <clears throat> the interesting part, the Champions League single season uh, record is 17 goals. So, 
I don't, I mean, at, at this point, like this guy is going to be an absolute monster and he's only 20. He is. He is an absolute monster. I mean, he is, but just- so, <laughs> so at this point in his champions league career, he has scored against every single team he's played against. There hasn't been a team. There hasn't been a team that he's played that he has not scored against. That's crazy. So every club he's played against, he scored. So you get to the Champions League round of 16 and you get dormant. Holland scoring goal on you. Like at that point, you already you gotta know you're one nil down at least. Right? Like at this point, like the guy's just a machine. So the article was really interesting, and we're gonna share this with our Delaware Union players because I thought the it talks about his upbringing. So his dad was a soccer player, played at City and played a bunch of different clubs. But what was really interesting is that they talked about when he was in the under-20 World Cup and he's playing with Norway and he missed, he scored four goals in the first half or something like that, comes into the locker room and he's like, hey, good job. Like, And he's he, one of his teammates says, hey, good job. And he looks really angry. And he's like, oh, no, I, I missed a shot. I could have had five goals. So what does he do in the second half? He scores five goals in the second half, scores nine goals in one game for Norway. So it's just, he is an absolute monster. It, he he gets mad when he doesn't score a goal. Yeah, he was upset that he didn't score 10. He was like, I could have scored 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then his alarm is the Champions League theme song. <laughs> Oh, I mean, this guy it, is like a media's dream. <laughs> like he, he's like, like he just all, all he wants to do is just get better. That's all he wants to do is just get better. Focus on soccer. That's all he wants to do is score goals. He just wants to score goals. Yeah. He was when he was um, when he was at mold, they asked him to he, Juve wanted to buy him. And he said, no, because uh, if I go to Juve, I'm not going to play a single minute. So where does he go? Salzburg. So that way he can get Champions League experience, score goals, gets goes there for a year. Then same idea before, goes to Dortmund because he knows Dortmund develops young players and then sells them on. So what does he do in this first game? Scores a hat trick. Like, it, I, I just, I don't know that I've seen anything like this guy. I almost, like, I thought... Mbappe was good when he was at Monaco. Like he was good. Guys, but like this guy is different. Like he's just different. He's a nine that I think has been missing from the game for a while. Like, yeah. Like he's he's what I mean, I'm just trying to like I'm trying to figure out like so Ronaldo didn't start as a nine, so it it can't be him. Like uh, Dennis Bergkamp is the only one that comes to mind for me. As, as anything even similar, um, and even Bergkamp, I would say, I'm, he, was a, he was a natural goal scorer. I'm not sure he was as much of an animal in the box as Holland is. I mean, could we, could we go Ronaldo? Slotson. Like the I mean, original. The original. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Original yeah, Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Slatan. You can say Slatan. Yeah. yeah. Zlatan's a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo for me, the original is not like, wouldn't be as good a comparison just because, I mean, he didn't do off the ball what Allen does. Yeah, Allen, Allen works so hard off the ball, and that was not um, that was not the way that Ronaldo played. But um, Zlatan's a great example. You know, post up, give me the ball, watch me do something ridiculous. Yeah, and, he, and he's still doing he it. Still, I mean, he scored <laughs> he scored a bicycle kick last weekend. The dude's I, unbelievable. He's a awesome. freak nature. Not only that. He also, I don't think we talked about this. He had a commercial that came out in Italy where, uh, so he's in this like massive high rise and he comes out and overlooking the city and he's wearing a mask and he, and it's an Italian, but he basically says, uh, I beat, I beat COVID or COVID tried to take on me and I beat it. Uh, but you're not Slatan, So wear a mask. Like <laughs> He's amazing. He's amazing. He's an abs. I, I just, at this point, I just, I've become a complete fan. I wish he would get called up against for again for the Sweden national team, uh, just so we could see him it's in that jersey. Time. 
Huh? Yeah, Cap Slatan. Yeah, that's gonna be our new hashtag is Cap Slatan. Yeah, uh, but when you look at the when you look at the similarities though, here here's the the part that I worry about with with Erling Holland is that we gotta take him in as we can get him because the idea of he's going to be a lot like Zlatan in the sense that Zlatan, nobody ever thinks about him as playing for Sweden because it was Sweden and they didn't really do much ever. Um, and I worry the same thing for Erling Allen playing for, for Norway. Is he ever going to be able to do it on the world's biggest stage at the world cup that the likelihood is probably not. And, and that is, that's unfortunate considering that right now he, he may be uh, one of, if not the best player in the world right now, that's it's unfortunate that he might not ever get that chance to showcase his ability on the world stage um, depending on how obviously Norway does, but that's the reality of it. I mean, his, sh- his, his showcase might be champions league yeah. because that might be the biggest stage he gets an opportunity to play in. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, similar, similar ideas, Lewandowski. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, he's kind of on the same boat as him. It's mm-hmm. just going to be able to be, how good can you be for your club team? And then just ultimately score goals for your national team whenever you can get them. Yeah. And if you can make a run in the Euros, maybe. Yeah. Maybe showcase a little bit in the Euros. You can score goals in the Nations League. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's scoring school in the Nations League. That's out. Yeah, it's true. So that's a, that's a, like before it was overlooked, but that's like a, a stage now, right? Like that's yeah. something that they're trying to grow. The problem is, is that he's stuck in the same division in the UEFA Nations League as the rest of the teams that are probably not going to make a World Cup or are going to have a really hard time making a World Cup. So nobody's really – I mean, yeah, you might catch those games because, you know, you, you might just get it on the channel there at the, that week. But it's going to be hard to – I think to Mike's point, you know, hopefully – he doesn't get overlooked, at least for the accolades that that at times he'll need. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I just think as a soccer fan, we all want to see the best players get the opportunity to play at the highest level. I mean, a World Cup in 2022 with, you know, with the best players in the world is a fun world and the U.S. since we're all American. <laughs> it would be yeah. would be a fun World Cup to watch. It really would. Um and, you know, but when the best players don't get an opportunity to be there, I think, I think it unfortunately does take a little bit away from the, from the world cup. So. No, I agree. Yeah. Cause you tune into every single game and you want to watch the players that, that can do something. You know? yeah. And listen, and, and, and the TV stations want that, right? Like, oh yeah. I, I can't imagine ESPN's like, I want, you know, we want to have every, we want to televise every world cup game, but we don't want, you know, Erling Island on the field. I mean, of course they do. So it'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one other thing we wanted to talk about before we get to the player of the match is, um, so our Delaware Union players, uh, uh, along with some other clubs in the state of Delaware, have been invited to participate in a college prep night uh, with ASPI, which is the Academy of Sports Performance and Innovation. So we're looking forward to that on Monday night. And then Mike is going to be a panelist on that call, which I think is going to be uh, pretty cool. Uh, so, Mike, really quick, how important is knowing the college preparation process before you embark in the college preparation process in general for a youth athlete or right. young soccer player? Yeah, I think – I mean, it's like anything else in life, right? Like the more you know about it, the more prepared you're going to be for it. Um, I think the more – you can reel in uh, and be realistic with expectations of how things should work. I think that's important. Um, I think experience aids to perspective. And I think as, as with anything in life, you need to have, you got to have perspective. Uh, You got to be able to um, at times have kind of a a tunnel vision, but then also um, be able to see the big picture. And um, so experience and knowledge is critically, critically important. Yeah. Awesome. So we're looking forward to Monday night. So if you're a Delaware Union player, uh, make sure you RSVP for that on Monday night. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Cool. All right. Player of the match. Uh, I'm going with Sam Muse. Scores a goal uh, in the FA Cup final. And City wins the FA Cup 
for the women's FA Cup. So um, it's what you want. She's the first American soccer player to score in a women's FA Cup final since 2017, which is great. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, that like for, for the women's national team, the ability for these players to be able to go and, and play and do really well I think that in this, and I've been saying this since the moment the the Women's World Cup. Actually, I I felt like I was saying it. Now I'm not trying to give myself credit for any sort of reason. I'm just that just my personal opinion. When I watched the World Cup and was everything was going on with the World Cup and and these other countries putting in a lot more effort, time and energy and resources into women's soccer. That's when I was like, this is going to be uh, an interesting 23 World Cup because everybody else is coming to play now. I think the fact that the England uh, Premier League or the Premier League, the Women's Premier League is is now a different – they're, they're showing the games. They're, they got a lot more players. They're bringing in some of the world's best. Um, this is going to be an interesting 2023 World Cup, and I'm really excited considering I am an avid fan and I'm a women's soccer coach and I generally love women's soccer. I cannot wait for the 2023 World Cup. It's going to be absolutely exciting to watch. Um, the The Women's World Cup is unique, unique and different from the men's side, where you are almost guaranteed to see the best players in the world playing in the World Cup every World Cup because those players are carrying their national teams to the World Cup, and so that's where I think it's you're not going to have a situation like what you potentially could have with Holland not making the you know Erling Holland not being in a World Cup. You're not going to have that on the women's side. The best players are going to be there. So that's um, it's unique and it's something that definitely needs to be celebrated uh, for sure. You know, I agree. I agree with you, Sebastian. I think it's I think the uh, visibility in England right now of the, of the the women's Super League is is really really great for the game. I love what they're doing uh, for women's soccer. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. Dwayne, what do you have for your player of the match? Uh, so this player's been off the radar for a while. Um, Demba Ba scored a goal for Istanbul to put Manchester United – well, he scored the first goal, but ended up putting Manchester United down in the uh, Champions League. So Demba Ba used to play for Chelsea. I think he played for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Bounced around the Premier League for a while. Now he's in Turkey playing and still scoring goals. So, Demba And what a terrible defensive shape. Like, what terrible defensive shape in both of those goals. Holy moly. Uh, yikes. Yeah, Manchester United has some work to do. Um, and they've always had work to do. But, yeah, they definitely have some work to do. Oh, man. Mike, who do you have for your player of the match? Josh Sargent, because now that he can't play for the U.S. in this upcoming camp, now Nicholas Jokini might play. <laughs> <laughs> and I re- and I really want to see Jokini play. I think I think he's really really good. Uh, so not to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so big ups to Josh Sargent for not getting released, so that now Jokini can hopefully play. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> All right. So on this day in history, so. We're going to go with the trivia question uh, for a player's birthday. But now I'm feeling that I have a feeling that you're both going to get this. So I'm going to try to make the I made the I made the clues pretty hard to see if we can uh, if we can figure this out. So. All right. So this is a player's birthday today. A, a player was born. All right. He has played in six different countries. Oscar. No. Six All right, different. six different countries. Okay. All right, going for the second clue. He has won the KNVB Cup, which is the Dutch Cup. Josie Altador. There you go. I knew Mike was going to get this first. I I knew it. Uh yeah, Josie Altador's thirty first birthday. Um, today. He's only thirty one. I mean, he came on the scene when he was sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when he won that KNVB Cup, that was I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was the last time he was scoring goals. So <laughs> it's fantastic. That was that was his that was his best season ever, by the way. Well, when I was at AZ, yeah, he was yeah. he was 
he scored a lot of goals then. But he is also the third highest goal scorer for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but but the reason why I bring this up, not to mention that it's his birthday, I also want to make sure it's publicly known that he's also 31 years old. So when we're looking at a 2022 World Cup, a 31-year-old that's in, in 2020, a 31-year-old should probably not be 33 and playing on the men's national team. Just want to throw that out there. Um, just as a public service announcement for everybody, just in case somebody forgot that he's 31 years old. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with being 31, um, but just let's just put it in perspective. No, I think it's it's important, right? Like it's important to keep that in the back of your mind that if he is our best option going into that World Cup, then if you're a U.S. soccer fan, I mean, is it realistic that you're fighting for a, a World Cup? Probably not. I mean, that, that can't, that can't be your best option. If he's there and he's somebody that's coming off the bench uh, here or there, and he's got the experience of having been to world cups and that's why he's on the roster. That's one thing. Right. Um, and he's got more of like a Wondolowski role, like what he had in the 2014 world cup. And that's one thing, but like, I mean, listen, no, he shouldn't be our starting target going into qualifiers and world cup games. Pr- probably not. And, to be fair, he hasn't been super reliable with that. No. So, and let's let's just think about it. He wasn't healthy when he was like 28. So, what makes us think that you know in 33 he's going to be? He pulled his hamstring trying to play left mid for Toronto when he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> I mean, so all right. So that was the on this day in history. Happy birthday, Josie Altador. <laughs> We genuinely do wish you a happy birthday. It sounds like we don't, but we do. Um, <laughs> happy right. birthday, but please retire from the national team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, fair play of the week. Um, Dwayne, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, fair play of the week goes to the Delaware Union uh, recreational staff and the board for setting up 3v3. Um, I know it's a definitely a stressful time of the year trying to get all these teams signed up, fields lined, everything organized, but they've done a great job on the back end making all this stuff go. And I think tomorrow is going to be a great event and that, you know, social distancing, social distancing measures will be put in place and everybody will be safe, which is the most important part. Absolutely. Yeah. Big shout out to all the volunteers at Delaware Reunion. Mike, you got a fair play? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my team, <laughs> University of Delaware women's soccer. I'm just really I'm really proud of the girls. Been a really tough semester, obviously, with all the COVID stuff and coming into the fall not knowing what to expect. Because uh, to be fair, we didn't know until probably the day before classes started of whether or not we were even gonna get an opportunity to train. Um, and our 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 players have handled it so well. Uh, they've been so positive. They've worked unbelievably hard through difficult situations. Um, and I'm sure that goes for every other, you know, university team that's playing right now as well. So um, I, I just, you know, I, I want to take this moment just to make it known that what these kids are going through on a daily basis is not easy. Um, and you know, because their life off the soccer field is affected. And I think that's the part that everybody forgets about. Like these kids with all the protocols that are put in place are really coming to practice, going back to their dorms and they're not leaving their dorms because they can't do a lot of the things that you would normally do as a college student. So I just, I have a lot of respect for them. I'm really appreciative of everything that they've, that they've done um, and how they've handled themselves. Uh, And I'm, and I'm really proud. And, you know, we don't have any any games right now. It's easy to say that when you're playing and winning games, we have no games right now, but I'm not proud of them because of the soccer stuff. I'm proud of them because of the the people that they are. So, yeah, it's really important. So big shout out to, to the blue hens. (laughs) All right. So mine is going to be Mirsa Lusecu or Luchescu. I think that's how you pronounce it, or maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I was, I watched the entire game and still can't remember how to pronounce. So he's a Dynamo Kiev uh, head coach and did you guys catch or do it i know you were watching the game i don't know mike if you watched the game do you guys catch what happened at the end of the game i didn't see it what happened so messi's coming off the field and the kiev's coach stops him and goes hey man uh 
can I get your jersey? Right after the game. <laughs> the coach? The coach. And then immediately his entire team didn't want to play for him anymore. <laughs> but then, but then in the but then in the press conference goes, uh, I don't think Barcelona can win the Champions League. Well, in the first five minutes of that game, you thought they were winning the Champions League, and then after that, it just dropped. First five minutes, you're like, oh my god, this is going to be like five six nil. This is going to be fantastic. Messi's not, Messi's going to not score from a penalty kick this year, and then uh, didn't happen. You got PK scoring game winning goals. Like. Yeah, his, his last five goals all come from PKs. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna give it to the coach from Kev because he uh wanted to get Messi's jersey after the game. So I mean, why not? Listen, I've seen I've seen Messi cause a lot of weird reactions because Argentina has played against some interesting teams before. Uh so I've seen players from the other teams taking pictures with Messi uh, before the game starts. I'm just trying to figure out if he had like a speech where he was like, at the end of this game, none of you go get Messi's jersey. Like, no. <laughs> it's my jersey. I'm going <laughs> after it. I'm going after it. <laughs> Did not tell them why. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen I've seen that reaction from different places before. I've seen Messi play against Haiti, I believe it was, in Argentina, and uh, all the players from Haiti wanted to take pictures with Messi before the game started. That's wild. Um, there, was, there was a, um, gosh, it must have been like maybe 2011, maybe. Maybe it was 2010. I, I can't quite remember, but I was the head coach at Iona at the time. And Argentina came over to uh, New Jersey to Giant Stadium to play a game against, uh, I want to say it was potentially, I think it was Colombia, maybe. They were playing in a friendly and um, they wanted a they wanted a team for their players that didn't play in the game to play against the next day. And so um, they actually, the, the liaison, Argentina's liaison reached out to our men's coach at Iona and said, can you bring your team out? to play in a 90 minute game at giant stadium on Saturday morning after this Friday night game. So, and they were real tight, obviously with security and stuff like that. So the men's coach actually put me on his roster as his assistant, as his assistant coach. So I got to go and we went and it was, they played at eight o'clock in the morning at giant stadium behind closed doors in this, uh, in this game so that all the reserves could, uh, could get a game in. And, uh, and it was amazing because these guys show up, they were staying at a hotel in Manhattan. They took the bus over to giant stadium and we were all getting ushered into the facility. And there, the place is mobbed with Argentina fans. I mean, groupies everywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was the, it was, it was what the reaction was wild. And this was for essentially a practice. Um, yeah. it's, cr- it was crazy. So yeah, it was that was so you know, it was the messy this effect. Was, this was after Maradona was a coach, right? Uh, this was uh, gosh, who was the coach? Um, it wasn't Maradona. No, I I, yeah. I I had a I think I might still have a picture with him actually on my phone. But um, it, was, yeah, it was wild, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. That's uh, that's awesome. That's incredible. We, I, don't know, I don't know if you guys can see this, but that's a picture of our. That was the men's coach at Iona at the time, getting a jersey signed by the coach of Argentina. Uh, if you send me that picture, if you send, me, like, I can, I can tell you who the coach will be. Yeah. Um, but that is pretty wild. Um, what was the final score? A lot to a little. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I want to say it, it was. Won. You would have seen a lot of players going over <laughs> to Argentina. Yeah, I'll tell you what. They, uh, I, I do remember that they scored a goal. I want to say it was like five to one, maybe. But the Iona guys did score a goal, and I believe actually it was uh, a kid who is now the head coach at Bloomfield College of the women in Jersey, Sammy Ajay, played for the Red Bulls Academy. I believe he was the one that scored the goal uh, in the game, actually. Nice. Um, so really great kid, uh, really good coach, doing good stuff at, at uh, Bloomfield, but. Um, it was a, it was a really unique situation. It was a cool, really cool experience for those kids. I remember everybody getting off the bus and everybody was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Seeing That's all awesome. 
Yeah, that's it was really, really cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. All right. Well, um, make sure this weekend you have a little uh, a good time at 3v3 if you're going out there. Make sure you wear your mask. Uh, tag us on Facebook. Um, share some pictures with us. So Facebook.com slash Delaware Union. On Instagram, at Delaware Union Soccer. On Twitter, at the Union Soccer. Mike, we want to thank you again for coming back on the podcast. We have a we have a fun time when you're on. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. And then make sure you follow everything going on with Blue Hens. Um, we hope to see them back on the field very, very soon. Um, and we hope we can go to go watch them play. Uh, or at least watch a live stream or something. Here's so what we're gonna watch, do. Watching the live event, what's that? Yeah. Here's what we're gonna do, Mike. And we're gonna we're it's episode 19 of our podcast. We're gonna it's gonna be on on record right here. Your first whenever your next first game back is, if mm-hmm. it's live, if we cannot be at the field, if it's a live stream, we will do a watch party. Some Stupid. sort of Delaware Union watch party. We're gonna watch, we're gonna watch the, the UD women's soccer team. Let's do it. Watch we're definitely I got a huge outdoor screen. Maybe I could just set it up right outside our stadium. <laughs> there you go. We'll just we'll, we'll we'll just tailgate it. We'll go in the parking lot. There you go. Be we'll, great, go in the, we'll go in the parking lot. So we're definitely going to do that. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. Mm-hmm.